This is a reminder you're listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. Welcome back to The Breakfast Show. My name is Liam. You probably haven't heard from me for a little while, about an hour or so, but that's okay. Uh, at the moment, we have got Lyle and Lawson taking us through a wonderful two... We've got two full hours of Encounter with God for you this morning. So we're going to pick up right where they left off. They're talking about Nebuchadnezzar and how Nebuchadnezzar is showing uh, his people what his power really, truly is and, and the best way that he's demonstrating that. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so to add to this piece of context, because it gets better. Mm. Who was Prime Minister of Babylon for 43 years? Your boy, Daniel. Daniel was Prime Minister for 43 years. And so Belshazzar has grown up in the court, Mm. in the Babylonian court, uh, with Nebuchadnezzar's grandfather, Mm. And Daniel is his prime minister, mm. Nebuchadnezzar's prime minister. This guy is well known. And he's outspokenly Hebrew. like And massively respected. Yeah. Just massive respect right across the empire. And a few years previously, Daniel had another vision. In mm. fact, he had, he had his first vision. No, his second vision. Daniel has his second vision. And his second vision is very, very specific. Go over to chapter 8. Now, what you've got to remember is the book of Daniel is not written chronologically. It's written um, by subject matter. Yes. So the first half is historical. The second half is prophetic. Well, it's chronological in its subject matter. Yes. But it's not entirely chronological. Okay, so chapter 8, verse 1. Yes. During the third year of King Belshazzar's reign, I, Daniel, saw another vision following the one that I had, that had already appeared to me. Okay, so what I want you to notice is that chapter 8 in chronology comes before chapter 5, because chapter 5 is where Belshazzar loses his life and his kingdom. Mm. So this is happening previous to that. Yes. And there's a little bit of dispute over dating of when exactly the third year of Belshazzar's reign was because, you know, he was a, he was a co-regent and that co-regency varied in a number of different uh, respects. Mm. In this vision, he sees the vision of a ram mm-hmm. with two horns. Yeah. Now, a beast in Bible prophecy is a symbol of a nation and the angel Gabriel comes and tell him, tells him who the ram is. And this ram, the Bible says, conquers everything. Yeah. Okay, so would you like to read for us who Gabriel says that the ram is? Mm. Verse 20. Verse 20, the Bible says, The two-horned ram represents the kings of Media and Persia. Okay, so here you have the prime minister of the empire, Mm. who is somebody who is renowned for explaining visions. Mm Mm-hmm. He's had two visions now, and he's interpreted the one vision of Nebuchadnezzar, and they all kind of say the same thing. Mm-hmm. Babylon is going to be conquered by somebody else. Now he names who somebody else is. Yeah. He's like, Babylon is going to be conquered by the Medes and the Persians. 
Mm. So you've got this very, very prominent individual who is long retired when this story happens, but still alive and well, who has made this prophecy, Babylon is going to be conquered by the Medes and the Persians. Mm. That's going to be a very well-respected prophecy, and it's going to be incredibly dangerous for Belshazzar because what this prophecy is doing is it is completely undermining the morale of the Babylonian army that he needs to have at his disposal to be able to fight the Medes and the Persians. Mm -hmm. You combine that with the Persian deal that the Persians are are offering, and you can kind of see how the... You know, the city would be a bit ambivalent about whether they're going to put their lives on the line for a lost cause or even if it is a good cause. Mm, Now, if the Assyrians take a city, you know, if a city surrenders to the Assyrians even, they're going to burn it. Yeah. You know, if it puts up a bit of resistance and then changes their mind and like, yeah, we surrender now, they're going to burn the place. Yeah. Cyrus is going to come in. He's going to walk in. He's going to change the government. He's going to keep some of their favorite governors and maybe even their king and place them in positions of power and then move on to conquer the rest of the world. Mm. And nothing bad is going to happen. The economy is going to thrive. And so you combine this with the Persian deal and the fact that, you know, their most prominent sort of retired statesman has said, yeah, the Persians are going to win this one. I've seen it in a dream. Mm. And you can kind of see how bad this was for Belshazzar. Not only that, but taking into account the disdain that the people had for, you know, Nabonidus and Belshazzar already, that they were not fans of these guys. And we were talking yesterday about how, like, the Persian deal would come up and a city would send the head of the king, you know, over the top of the wall as like, a okay, we'd rather have the Persian deal than be under this king. And it's like... Belshazzar needed to take control of that situation because it's like he is in very, you know, very easily his power could be undermined here by the citizens and by Cyrus. And it's just like, oh, well, well, it's over. And it's being very directly undermined by Daniel at this point. And this festival that is taking place, this annual festival that is taking place is a really, really important festival in which Belshazzar can stand up and say, hey, look, we're still worshipping Marduk. Mm. We're still honouring Marduk. Nothing has changed. We still live in an impregnable city. Nothing has changed there. Nobody's going to invade the city. You don't need to worry about anything. And okay, this God Yahweh has made this prophecy, but you also don't need to worry about this God Yahweh because what we're going to do is we're going to have this big festival to Marduk and we're going to publicly defy Yahweh at this festival and we are going to publicly demonstrate to everybody here you don't need to worry about Yahweh's prophecies because we completely dominate Yahweh. All of his stuff is in our temple. We are worshipping our gods, with our god, our god Marduk with his stuff and so this is just the ramblings of an old man. Oh man, what a what a politician! This guy is really. This is a very big PR event, right it's here. It's a massive, massive PR event to try and reestablish his credibility, mm. and you know, in in the empire as leader of the empire and as leader of the army and the military. Mm. We often read the story of you know Belshazzar's feast, and it's just like, oh, they did this, and then that happened. No, no, no. There's a whole lot going on behind the yes. scenes here. All right, so. Now we need to read what happened. Yes. Starting. Okay, some people say that, uh, you know, Herodotus was the first screenwriter. No, he wasn't. No. 
This is this is this tops anything that Herodotus ever wrote. Right, starting in verse five. So basically, catching up to this point, they're yep. they're just they're drinking out of the vessels. That's right. They're just having a big party. They're having a big party. Then verse five. Suddenly, they saw the fingers of a human hand writing on the plaster wall of the king's palace near the lampstand. The king himself saw the hand as it wrote, and his face turned pale with fright. His knees knocked together in fear, and his legs gave way. Beneath him. The okay, whoa, 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 whoa. We've got to stop there and read that from the KJV. This is a bit of a yours, G-rated version. Yours is the G-rated version. The KJV just translates it as it was. Yeah. But before we read it from the KJV, put yourself in Belshazzar's shoes. You've gone up against Yahweh. Yeah. You're not worried about any of the other gods. You've captured them. They're in your city. Yahweh is a bit of an unknown quantity, and Yahweh has a reputation in this city. Your grandfather was a worshiper of Yahweh mm. for two years before he died. You know, um, he has a big reputation, and Yahweh's prophecy is the one is is, is probably your worst, your worst, um, the worst thing that is happening to undermine the morale of your uh, soldiers. And so, you need to have a very strong showing against Yahweh. And so, you've gone up against this guy. Who's rescued people out of a fiery furnace in the past. Yeah. And suddenly you see a hand. Mm. Just a hand. Nothing else. Just a hand. And it's writing on the wall. How are you feeling when this happens? So freaky. Like, I think especially like... You can imagine, and we were talking about this when we started Daniel 2, how religion at that time was just kind of played up and it was the omens and it was just so... It was just so You see this happening in this environment when you are doing what you are doing. This can't <sighs> be good. It, it's just... It would just freak you out. It's unlike anything you've ever seen. Okay, take the context aside. If we're just sitting here in a studio and we saw that happen, <laughs> that would be freaky enough. But when you look at the context of what was happening here, you know, there's drunken feast where they're all, you know, blind drunk and they're worshipping Marduk and they're defying this God mm. and, they, and they need to have a very strong showing against this God and suddenly, and, and you place that hand in that context, that is terrifying on an altogether different level and even though he doesn't understand what was being written, I guarantee he was just reading doom, doom, yeah. doom, doom. He knew what was going on from the perspective of like, okay, I've defied this god and they've just shown up. Like, what you know, the only thing that he could expect at that point is death. Yeah. Like, he's just like, oh, and God's here to kill me. And, you know, his response is very appropriate. Okay, so let me read his appropriate response in the King James Version where it says that the joints of his loins were loosed. That means... He wet himself. <laughs> That's the literal modern translation of the joints of his loins were loosed. Well, the Bible tells us about a man who ruled Babylon and all its land. Around the city he built a wall and declared that Babylon would never fall. He had concubines and wives, he called his Babylon paradise. On his throne he drank and ate, but for Belshazzar it was getting late. For he was weighed in the balance and found wanting. His kingdom was divided, couldn't stand. He was weighed 
in the balance and found wanting His houses were built upon the sand Well, the people feasted and drank their wine And praised the false gods of his time All holy things they scorned and mocked But suddenly all their mocking stopped For on the wall there appeared a hand Nothing else, there was no man In blood the hand began to write And Belshazzar couldn't hide his pride For he was weighed in the balance and found wanting His kingdom was divided, couldn't stand He was weighed in the balance and found wanting His houses were built upon the sand Belshazzar tried but couldn't find A man who could give him peace of mind But Daniel the prophet, the man of God He saw the writing on the wall in blood Belshazzar asked him what it said And Daniel turned to the wall and read My friend, you're weighed in the balance and found wanting Your kingdom is divided, it can't stand You're weighed in the balance and found wanting Your houses are built upon the sand How appropriate was that song? Yes Johnny Cash with uh, Belshazzar Oh So good Such a good Just song Fits perfectly into what we are reading about Mm. Okay, so we talked about how uh, Belshazzar um, kind of lost it right here. Mm. Um, why don't you keep, pick up the story in verse 7 there, please? The king shouted um, for the enchanters, astrologers, and fortune tellers uh, to be brought before him. He said to these wise men of Babylon, whoever can read this writing and tell me what it means will be dressed in purple robes of royal honor and will have a gold chain placed around his neck he will become the third highest ruler in the kingdom of Babylon. Why does he offer him the third place? Because he can't offer him the second place. Because he's second place. Because he is second yeah, place. Yeah, he's second place. <laughs> <laughs> and he kind of knows it. We're going to find out about Belshazzar. He's young. He's an upstart. He's arrogant. Um, and he has a very, very different attitude to life than what Nebuchadnezzar had. Mm. And particularly to Daniel. Mm. Okay, so he gives this proclamation out. He calls together the Babylonian cabinet, you know, all of the counselors, the wise men, the astrologers, the soothsayers, the Chaldeans, etc., to uh, explain this. You know, and this is this is a bit of a repetitive theme through the book of Daniel. Mm. These guys have been there in chapter one, kind of in the background in chapter one, but they were there, Melzar and Arioch and these kind of guys. They failed epically in chapter two. They fail epically in chapter three. They fail epically in chapter 4, and now they're about to fail epically again in chapter 5. Okay, so keep reading for us. Um, Verse 8, But when all the wise men came in, none of them could read the writing or tell him what it meant. So the king grew even more alarmed, and his face turned pale. His nobles, too, were shaken. But when the queen, but when the queen mother, when the Queen Mother, I think that's printed wrong. When the yeah. Queen Mother heard the the Queen Mother heard what was happening, she that's no, actually correct. The Queen Mother is the mother of the Queen. Is the mother of 
um, is the mother of Belshazzar, in other words, Nabonidus' wife, who okay. is Nebuchadnezzar's daughter. Okay. So when Nebuchadnezzar's daughter... Yes. She comes in to talk to her son. She said, Bel- she said to Belshazzar, Long live the king. Don't be so pale and frightened. There is a man in your kingdom who has within him the spirit of the holy gods. During Nebuchadnezzar's reign, this man was found to have insight, understanding, and wisdom like that of the gods. Your predecessor, the king, your predecessor, King Nebuchadnezzar, made him chief over all the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and fortune tellers of Babylon. This man, Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar, um, has exceptional ability and is filled with divine knowledge and understanding. He can interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. Okay. Is that the end of the verse? Call for Daniel and he will tell you what the writing means. It's hard for me to tell where your verse is ending. Your translation is so different from mine. Okay, so she says, so so basically this um, this is Nebuchadnezzar's daughter. Mm. She would have grown up with Daniel. Yeah. You know, she would have, she would have, Daniel would have been like a, uh, a frequent visitor, you know, Nebuchadnezzar, dad's best mate. You know, these guys would have been on first, time, first name basis. Mm. Uh, she goes in there, sees what's happening, is like, just get Daniel. Mm. Don't worry about these guys, just get Daniel. He will sort this for you. Belshazzar and Nabonidus have sort of retired Daniel off when they come to power. He's been sort of sidelined. Yeah, okay, you were prime minister under Nebuchadnezzar, but thank you for your service. You go and retire right now, and we will use our own guys. Um, thank you very much. Where does the Bible say that? The Bible doesn't say that. You find that by basically from secular history. Okay. Um, and so, you know, they've got their own guys that they have in, in, in places of power and so forth. And so, yeah, this Daniel guy, we're not going to worry about this Jewish guy, this Jewish slave. Mm. And here's where you see this massive difference come through in the character and the personality of Nebuchadnezzar versus Belshazzar, his grandson. Mm. Nebuchadnezzar recognized Daniel as a senior statesman. Yes. And as an incredibly wise you know, and useful guy within his kingdom. Mm. He doesn't care what background it comes from. He doesn't care that he's Jewish. Mm. Wouldn't care whether he's Jewish, Assyrian, or otherwise. He doesn't doesn't care about it. He just cares that here's a guy that can get the job done. <clears throat> yeah. You know, don't care where he comes from so long as he can run the show. And he can run the show. Mm. No question about that. These guys come to power and they're like, well, who's Daniel? You know? Mm. Okay. Well, they should have stopped and considered that the guy was prime minister like for like 43 years and he probably <laughs> has some good things to say but like nah nah not having anything to do with this guy out to go out to pasture and they get on with running the kingdom and you really see that come through in this next verse uh, verse 13 yep. uh, the bible says so Daniel was brought in before the king and the king asked him are you Daniel one of the exiles brought from Judah by my predecessor King Nebuchadnezzar I have heard that you have the spirit of the gods within you and that you are filled with insight, understanding, and wisdom. Okay, let's stop there. I want you to notice here, when in chapter 4, Daniel comes into Nebuchadnezzar. Mm. Nebuchadnezzar is Obelteshazzar, master of the magicians. Yes. That's really respectful. He mm. uses his Babylonian name and his Babylonian title and is super respectful to him. And Daniel is super respectful to 
Nebuchadnezzar in return. You know? Oh, king, let this be to your enemies. Let this be to somebody else. Here, and yours is a little bit more polite than mine once again, but basically what he says is, is like, ah, you're that Daniel. You're that Jewish slave. I've heard about you. Mm. That's a very different response. He uses his Jewish name and he references straight up front his slave background. Yes. Rather than rather than referencing the fact that, oh, you're Belteshazzar, former prime minister. Mm. No. You are that Jewish slave. Yeah. You're Daniel, that Jewish mm. slave. You know, that's a that's a racial cultural slur from an arrogant mm. young man who is in the process of defying Daniel's God. Mm. Nevertheless, he is desperate to know what is written on the wall. And so, you know, he makes a number of promises. Verse 16. In verse 16, the Bible says, I am told that you can give interpretations uh, and solve difficult problems. If you can read these words and tell me their meaning, you will be clothed with purple robes of royal honor and you will have a gold chain placed around your neck. You will become the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Okay, he's forced to give him the same promise he's given to everybody else. And then you have Daniel's response. O king, live forever. Let these words be to your enemies. Is that what it is? No. No, Daniel turns around and says, and Daniel's just been offered the prime ministership Mm. again. Yes. And incredible wealth and incredible honor. And Daniel just turns around, looks at Belshazzar and says, keep it. Yes. I'm going to read it anyway, but keep your gifts. Mm. And what's more... I'm going to tell you a few home truths about yourself before I tell you what it's all about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like full on uh, where Daniel heads with this one right here. And so in verse 17, Daniel Anson said to the king, let your gifts be to yourself mm. and give your rewards to someone else. Yet I'll read the writing under the king and make known the interpretation. And he says, you, O king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar, your, your father, a kingdom and majesty and glory and honor and for the majesty that he gave him all nations and languages and trembled and feared before him, whom he would he killed, whom he would he kept alive, and whom he would he set up, and whom he would he pulled down. But when his heart was lifted up in pride uh, and his mind was hardened in pride, he was deposed from his kingly authority and they took his glory from him. And you knew all this and still rebelled. It's King of Babylon, the Downing family. Silver, bronze, and gold can't save your soul at all. So, King, you better sing some praise to heaven. The writing's on the wall. Now, once in Babylon, a king upon his throne. Let wine and foolish pride go to his head. Then there appeared one night a hand by the candlelight. And it wrote a note, and this is what it said. King of Babylon, bow your knees, the writing's on the wall. Your kingdom's days are numbered, and it's just about to fall. Your gods of 
with silver, bronze, and gold can't save your soul at all. So, King, you better sing some praise to heaven. The writing's on the wall. Guys, that was the Downey family with the King of Babylon. So it's it's me again. It's Liam again. Now you guys just got a double shot of Encounter with God. Two doses. Cannot get enough of that stuff. As well as a double dose of Encounter with God. Today we are bringing you two lots of question of the day. Now these two questions they both relate to each other. Um, but essentially, yeah, we get two questions of the day. So it's it's not question of the day today. It's questions of the day. Anyway, look, I'm, I'm babbling on. I hope you enjoy. Lyle and Lawson, back to you guys. Lyle, question yes, of the day. Yes, Are yes, you yes, ready? Yes. Okay. Here's a question from Darren. This is crazy. Uh, Darren brings in the best questions ever. All right. A distinguished theology and semantic... Um, Systematic. No, Semitic. Oh, so, okay, yep, yep. Semitic language scholar Dr. Michael Brown said in his recent podcast, in God's future millennial kingdom, a seventh-day ob- Sabbath will be observed, but there is nothing in the New Testament that calls or mandates Gentile believers to observe a specific day as Sabbath. The New Testament reiterates that nine of the ten Old Testament commandments apply to all believers, but Christians have liberty to choose any or every day as a Sabbath day. What's your thoughts, Lyle? My first thought is, why do we ever talk about the Ten Commandments? If what he's saying is true, why do we talk about the Ten Commandments? Mm. Because there's no such thing as the Ten Commandments if what he says is true. There's nine commandments. There's nine commandments. You know, why doesn't the New Testament talk about the nine commandments? Mm. 
you know, imagine the controversy that that would create. You know, there was so much controversy just created over the issue of circumcision. Imagine if they tried to get rid of the Sabbath, the controversy, you would never hear the end of it. Mm. This is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. The Nine Commandments. Who's ever heard of the Nine Commandments? You've got a, you've got a PhD guy here who's saying that um, we have the Nine Commandments. Mm. And, of course, in this whole process, he is forgetting that the Bible does specifically tell Gentile believers to worship on the Sabbath all the way through the Bible. Mm. Now, he is correct in one thing. He is correct in what he says about the Sabbath being kept for eternity in heaven. And, of course, Gentiles will be keeping it in heaven, and that comes from Isaiah chapter 66. And so um, let's go to uh, chapter 66, verse uh, 22 and 23. It says, For as the new heavens and the new earth which I will make shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your seed in your name remain. It shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another shall all flesh come to worship before me, says the Lord. All flesh includes Gentiles. The vast majority of people who will be in heaven will be Gentiles. And so, yes, he is correct when he says that uh, these Gentiles will be um, keeping the Sabbath in heaven. He is incorrect when he says there's nothing in the New Testament that says that Gentiles should keep the Sabbath. Mm. Uh, let's go over to Matthew chapter 24 and let's read what the Bible says over there. And before, while we're turning there, we can note that Jesus said, I am Lord of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for mankind or humanity. Mm. Humanity is not Jews. He doesn't say it was made for Jews. He says it was made for all humanity. That's what Jesus claims. That's the, he wouldn't make that claim if he was about to do away with the Sabbath. Okay, so let's read it here from Matthew chapter 24 and verse 20. And by the way... Let's give some background to this passage. This passage, Matthew 24, we all know is about the end of time. Mm. It's about our day. It's about signs of the times. And one of the things that it raises in chapter 24 is that there will be persecution at the end of time against believers and against Christians. And against Gentile Christians, mm. like you and I, because we're both Gentile Christians. And notice the command that Jesus gives a very, very specific command here to Christians at the end of time. It says, But pray that your flight, as in fleeing from persecution, pray that your flight, your fleeing from persecution, is not in the winter. Well, I wonder why that is. That's kind of obvious, isn't it? Be miserable. <laughs> Neither on the Sabbath day. Mm. That is the direct command of Jesus. Okay, so let's think about this for a moment. How are you going to do that if you say that? How are you going to pray that your flight is not on the Sabbath day mm. if you don't even believe in keeping the Sabbath day? It's like, well, I can flee on any day I want because I can choose my own day of worship. That makes no sense whatsoever at all. The Bible is absolutely crystal clear on the issue of the Sabbath. There is nowhere that the Bible says that we can choose any day we like. Above and 
shall hear the trumpet sound in that morning, and from the flowing fountain drink everlasting love, and shall hear the trumpet sound in that morning. Shout of glory, for I shall mount above the sky when I hear the trumpet sound in that morning. Shout of glory, for I shall mount above the sky when I hear the trumpet sound in that
team here at Faith FM want to encourage you to share God's love with those around you, to stay positive and to stay connected in this virus season. Check on your neighbours, especially elderly neighbours, as they may be unable to visit the shops or see family due to quarantines. A note under the door or a letter in the mailbox works too if you want to maintain your distance. Little things like this make a huge difference to someone who might be struggling to get by. Listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Are drugs or alcohol a problem in your life? Alcohol Drugs Assist, or ADA, is a 12-step recovery program designed to help you escape the hold of addictions in a friendly and judgment-free environment. ADA meets regularly, and if you'd like to attend, give Peter a call or text on 0487 907 879. That's 0487 907 879.
Welcome back, guys. That was uh, Keith and Kristen Getty with Oh for a Closer Walk with God. Sorry, Lawson, did I just cut you off? Yeah, well, we did the you were super excited thing at the same time. In. Yeah, well, <laughs> the, the, the old... Well, <laughs> there you go. Welcome back to Faith FM for question of the day. Lyle, yes, are you, are you ready? I am. Okay, here we go. Question of the day. All right, bring it on. Okay, so in relationship to our question yesterday about, about the, the nine commandments, the nine commandments, and the we've Sabbath, actually got a PhD guy out there who's claiming that there are nine commandments in the New Testament. Wild. It was wild. Outlandish. Yeah. Um, But in relationship to that, and also the claim that there's nowhere in the Old Testament that says that a Christian should keep the Sabbath, what about Colossians 2.16? Okay, let's turn to Colossians chapter 2.16, and let's see if uh, this particular individual was correct in what he was saying, that you can keep any day that you like. So Colossians 2.16, when you first read it, you'll go, yep, he was absolutely correct, where it says this. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days. Mm -hmm. And you don't read the verse before and you don't read the verse afterwards. You would say, well, there you go. Let no one judge you. Keep any day you want. Mm. We'll keep the, you know, God's people. The Sabbath was instituted in Eden. It was kept by God's people right the way down through uh, history. Uh, it was kept by the Jews. It was kept by Jesus. Jesus gave us an example of how to keep it. It was kept by the disciples. The disciples kept it. It will be kept for eternity in heaven. But there's going to be this, you know, about a 1,500-year gap in the middle where you can choose any day because that kind of makes sense somehow. It's like, what on earth? And you sort of have to, when you read a, a verse like this that is out of kilter with every other passage mm. of the Bible and is a direct contradiction of what Jesus told people to be doing right down through history and particularly at the end of time in Matthew chapter 24, mm. then um, you know, where he gives a direct command to keep the Sabbath to Gentile people at the end of time, um, then you've got to say, okay, either the Bible contradicts itself or I've missed something. Mm. Those are the only two conclusions you can come to. Yes. You've either got Matthew twenty four twenty contradicting Colossians two verse sixteen or you've missed something. And I would like to say that you have missed what the Bible says in verse fourteen through seventeen. To give a little bit of context to that, what you're going to find in the Bible is that there are a number of different laws. Mm-hmm. You have uh, the Ten Commandments. That's the eternal constitution of the government of God. Mm-hmm. It's the law of love. Um, it's the law that defines what love is. Then you have the ceremonial law that was temporary. It begins after sin as a result of sin. It involves death. It does not predate sin. Um, it involves sacrifice of animals and religious ceremonies. Um, the Bible says it's against us. It is contrary to us. It is temporary that it was finished when Jesus died on Calvary, came to an end. No more sacrifices since then. That's why we don't sacrifice animals today, because that law came to an end. Mm. You have laws of health and hygiene. That's kind of sensible. Uh, We're particularly putting those into practice right now with the coronavirus scare. You've got laws of the theocracy. They ended with the Babylonian invasion. They were the civil laws of ancient Israel. Um, And, you know, so these are some of the different laws that you've got. The question here is, is Paul referencing the ceremonial law or is he referencing the Ten Commandments? Now when you read, and we don't have time for it, but you read in Ezekiel where Paul is quoting from, he's actually quoting from the ceremonial law. Mm -hmm. But we can see it when we read the context. The Bible says 
in verse 14, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. Mm. Nothing against you in the Ten Commandments. It was written by the finger of God in stone. It wasn't handwritten in a book as the ceremonial law was, which was contrary to us. Mm-hmm. Nothing contrary about the Ten Commandments. They are a blessing to everybody, but sacrificing animals, that's not so much fun. Um, nailing it to the cross. It says, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink. Do the Ten Commandments have anything to say about meat and drink? No, that's no. the ceremonial law that has meat offerings and drink offerings. Um, or of a holy day, or of the new moons. Okay, so the feast days and the new moons the New Moon Festivals, um, those we find in the ceremonial laws. And then it says, and of the Sabbath days. And this is something that people often admit, miss. There was two kinds of Sabbaths. Mm. There was the weekly Sabbath that we still keep today. Mm-hmm. There were the annual Sabbath days, and there were seven of them per year. They could fall on any day of the week. Then it goes on, and this is the real clincher in verse 17, which are a shadow or a symbol of things to come. They point forward to Jesus Christ. Mm. Symbol of things to come, but the body is of Christ. So they were symbols of Christ who was to come. Now, when you look at that passage right there, the seventh-day Sabbath points the exact opposite direction. It points back to creation. It was never a symbol of things to come. Mm. But all of the ceremonial Sabbaths that could fall on any day of the week they all pointed forward to Jesus Christ and to his ministry. This passage is not talking about the Seventh-day Sabbath. It is talking about the ceremonial Sabbaths of the ceremonial law. Mm. And, of course, the readers back in the day would have gone, would have known straight away that, yeah, Paul's quoting from you know Ezekiel chapter 48, whatever it is. Um, we know that uh, this is ceremonial law, and they would not have been confused by it. Anyway, this is Matt and Josie Minicus with Temple of Time. took six days and created earth and moon and stars and sun on the seventh day he rested from the work that he had done then he blessed it made it holy as a gift for
forsaken and forgotten, desecrated and profane. But the sacred fourth commandment is still valid and unchanged. Hear the Father gently calling, if you love me, keep each one. Not for merit or salvation, but because you love my son. Welcome back, everybody. That was Matt and Josie Minicus with Temple of Time. It's come time for the end of the show. Oh, what a show it has been! I hope you have enjoyed it. Look, if there's anything that you've heard today that you'd like to that you you know you'd like to know more about, I'd I'd like to encourage you to give us a call at one 324 eight four three. That's one eight hundred Faith FM. Or if you like, you can send us a text at zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Just get into contact. We'll have a quick chat. And yeah, would I'd be more than happy to to help you out and see what we can do to help you grow in your faith journey. Also, a quick reminder, tomorrow morning, Saturday morning, we have our very own Bible study, small group Bible study, interactive Bible study. So uh, that goes from 9.30 to 10.30. So get on board with that. Uh, A lot of people usually on Saturday mornings go to church and do that. But unfortunately, due to the times that we're in, we can't do that. So this is a wonderful opportunity opportunity for you to come out and uh, tune tune into the radio whether that's online or on the app, uh, you know, it's a great platform to try and and do that. Um, look, I hope you all have a very wonderful Easter. Make sure that you say you stay safe and you stay inside. We don't want any of our listeners getting, uh, getting sick at all. And if you are sick or if you're unwell, I'd like to pray especially for you guys to make sure that you guys get better and grow. Uh, Look, guys, thanks again, and make sure that you remember to talk faith, live faith, act faith, and you, of course, will grow strong in Jesus Christ today. Happy Easter, everybody. Tell your heart to beat again Close your eyes and 
Cause your story's far from over And your journey's just begun Into the light of grace 